Amen, amen, amen. And all God's people said amen. amen. Thank you, Jeremy. A beautiful song. Peace, peace, peace is the cry of millions. It's the longing of untold numbers around the world. It's that illusion that is pursued by all of humanity. And yet, the reason why this longing for peace is not attained by uh, so many who seek it is because they are looking for it in all the wrong places. They are chasing it in the wrong priorities. They are pursuing it like a mirage in the desert of selfishness. Why? They cannot find this elusive peace. Why? Because true peace, which is worthy of the name, can only come from the Prince of Peace. Amen. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace because He's the only one who is the source of true peace, because He's the only one who's the dispenser of true peace, because He's the only one who can give us His peace, and He gives it to individuals, He gives it to families, He gives it to communities, and He can give it to nations. Blessed, happy, makarios are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. We are slowly climbing, if you're visiting and you haven't followed this series, we are slowly climbing that superstructure, those stairs, the steps that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us, we call the Beatitudes. We are coming close to the second from the apex, second from the pinnacle uh, today. We are sending this ladder of growing in Christ growing in godliness, growing in Christ-likeness. Let me explain the reason why blessed are the peacemakers comes immediately after blessed are the pure in hearts. You see, there is a method in our Lord Jesus Christ giving us that stairs, those steps. One leads to the other. You can't jump on one in the middle of the stairs, staircase. You have to go to the first one and be broken in spirit and in heart. You have to come in humility and brokenness and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I desperately need your salvation. That's the beginning. That's the very first poor in spirit. That's what it means, being broken in spirit. Not that I can save myself or I can do it myself or I can make it my own way. I can get to God my own way. I can get to God some other way other than through Jesus Christ. God says there is no other way. There is no other name under heaven has been given to men to be saved other than the name of Jesus. And that's the first step. And then we mourn over our sins. And then we come to meekness where it is, it is power that is under control when we love and forgive and let go of the past. And then we find ourselves hungering and thirsting for righteousness 
that the moment we sin, we cannot stand it, that we have to repent and ask for forgiveness and be cleansed. And that is why after that we can exercise mercy toward others. And then purity of heart, as we saw in the last message, it means the daily cleansing, that we are positionally cleansed when we come to Jesus Christ in that very first step. But then daily we are cleansed, daily we are confessing, daily we are purifying our hearts before God. And that is why the daily cleansing had to come first, then peace. Then peace. This cleansing has to take place because what it does, when we sin, we quench the Holy Spirit. And the cleansing of our hearts, the repentance of our sins, <laughs> it unquenches the Holy Spirit. I just made up a word. It doesn't exist. I'm going to make a lot of words today, so be prepared for it. See, when English is your second language, you can do that. Say, <laughs> so what does he know, this poor immigrant boy? <laughs> you know. So forgive me, but I'll be making a lot of names, a lot of words. When we are cleansed and we confess our sins daily, sometimes moment by moment, constantly being cleansed, we ungrieve the Holy Spirit. Here's another word I made up. Because the Holy Spirit is grieved when we sin, when we repent, He's ungrieved. This cleansing brings about this uh, unquenched and ungrieved Holy Spirit back into our lives, not only that He is present, but He is present to dominate, to rule, and to control our lives. I need to explain this maybe just in case somebody didn't get it. <laughs> When the Holy Spirit becomes ungrieved as a result of daily cleansing, He will bring us true peace. See, that's why it has to come first. Peace will not come until there is cleansing. Not only that peace will reign in our hearts, but at that point, the Lord Jesus is telling us that we will have such abundance of peace in our lives and in our hearts that we will be able to dispense it to others. That's what the peacemaker is all about. We'll be able to give it to others. Blessed, happy, joyful, makarios are those who dispense peace, the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Listen to me. <laughs> when we are able not only have peace in abundance in our hearts, but to be able to dispense it and become peacemakers we go into a very higher level, a very higher level of spiritual maturity. Can I get an amen? How does that work? Well, those who attain purity of heart as a result of confession, those who are daily cleansed before God, they want more of God. Do you want more of God in your life? Do you want more of God in your life? Well, you better not neglect daily cleansing before God. And because this daily cleansing is an indication to God, the Holy Spirit, who is the agent going between us and the triune God, because He sees that this is a longing of our hearts, and therefore we want more of God in our lives. And what does God do? He shows up. When you want more of Him, He'll give it to you. When you want more purity, when you want, want daily cleansing, then we become qualified not only to receive His peace, but be peacemakers. Pass it around. Now, beloved, it goes without saying 
that our nation is in desperate need for peace right now. <laughs> no one can deny that we have so many divisions, and all of these divisions stem from hatred and anger and sin and racism and anti-Semitism and all that other isms that ought to be wasms. Question, why did Jesus place this beatitude? Blessed are the peacemakers here, so close to the pinnacle, so close to the apex of the superstructure that he gives us. It's because Jesus is showing us what the Father is looking for. And that begins by having peace with God. That has to begin with having peace with God. Someone will say, well, Michael, I have never been at war with God. Don't kid yourself. Every one of us were born at enmity with God. Every one of us without exception. Whether we are conscious of it or not, we are at enmity with God. And when we are reconciled to God, which only, only, only can happen through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, only then can we have peace with God and the peace of God. And that is why John the Apostle can say in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, verse 12, to all who receive Jesus, to all who believe in His name, He gave them the right, He gave them the privilege, He gave them the honor to be called the children of God. And the Apostle Paul confirms this in, in Romans 8, 14, when he said, all, can you say all? All those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I hear people all the time in the media say, well, we're all the children of God. No, we're not. That's why we have a problem. <laughs> we're all the creation of God. God created us. We're not the children of God. Only those who come to, the, to God through Jesus Christ can be called the children of God. Listen to me. If you are a committed believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're living in obedience to His Word, you are a privileged person, period. End of discussion. Privilege of being called sons and daughters of the living God, sons and daughters of the King of kings. So please, let's live like royalties. Hear me right. This seventh beatitude is an invitation for us to imitate our heavenly daddy. It's an invitation for us to imitate our father. What does that invitation look like? Listen carefully. To be dispensers of his peace that he has given us. To be the ambassadors of that peace that he has given us. That to be a messengers of peace that he has given us. To be envoys of peace that he has given us. C.S. Lewis makes a profound statement. Everything C.S. Lewis is profound. Some, somehow I just wonder the mind of that man. I'm so glad he left us some wonderful books. But here's what he said. God cannot, 
Have you ever heard of God cannot? <laughs> God cannot. There's some things God cannot do. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. He said there is no such thing. There is no such a thing. And that is why for our nation to have peace, we need to return to God, the God of peace. So let me deal with this seventh beatitude in three different ways. I often, you know, think I'm not a great communicator, so I I spend a lot more time how I'm going to make it easy, how I'm going to make it memorable so you can remember it. And I want to look at three things. All of them begin with the letter T. So you walk out of here remembering. All you need to remember is the letter T, and you're going to remember the rest of it. Okay, first of all, I want to tell you about the tariff. The tariff. Not the tariff that's imposed on China, uh, rightly so, but the tariff for peace. There is a price. There's a cost for peace. That's the first T, tariff. Can you say it with me? Secondly, there is the truth about peace and the truth that must be there for peace to exist. The second T is truth. And the third T is the trophy of peace. The trophy of peace. I hope you're impressed because I was. So what is that tariff of peace? Let me tell you at the outset, having been involved through the years, this is my 46 years since my ordination, and have through the years I have been involved in bringing two people at enmity with each other to be reconciled, two groups of people to be reconciled. I've done that several times. I want to tell you at the outset the absolute truth It is costly. It is pricey. It is painful. For one thing, you risk being hated by both groups. I've been there. (laughs) Having been involved in trying to bring the peace of God, reconcile men and women, boys and girls to God through Jesus Christ, I can tell you, that, you, that can bring rejection, that can bring alienation, that can bring false accusations, and that can bring misunderstanding. There is a cost to peacemaking. I know most of you understand what I'm talking about. Peace and the making of peace is not cheap. It's costly. And that's what the cost, the tariff for peace is all about. First of all, you need to know that it cost God the Father everything because when He gave us His one and only begotten Son, He gave us everything. It cost Him everything for us to have peace with God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 tells us that Jesus made peace with His blood shed on the cross. That's the cost of peace. It costs God everything. Peace is costly. Even in our daily walk with God, 
in your daily walk, in my daily walk with God. When we sin, sin creates a barrier between us and God. Not because we wanted a barrier or God wants a barrier. Sin does that. And that is why repentance and sometimes tears are the tariffs of demolishing that barrier. Husbands and wives, listen to me. We're almost getting to 50 years now of being married. I know that sin between husband and wife erects a barrier between them. And asking for forgiveness and humbling oneself is the tariff that must be paid for that peace to reoccur in the marriage. Sometimes the cost of peace is vulnerability. Sometimes the cost of peace is brokenness. Sometimes the cost of peace is bending of our pride. Sometimes the cost of peace is submission. In other words, peacemaking is the one thing you do like mercy. It makes you like the Lord. It makes you like the Lord. I'm going to say more about this in a minute. We must be willing to pay the price. We must be willing to build bridges and pay for them. We must be willing to take the blame for somebody else's sin. You know, at Jewish wedding, some of you have attended a Jewish wedding, and there are two different ways of expressing it, but it's ex- the same point. Sometimes they take a glass and hold it up in the air and allow it to be smashed on the ground. Other times, they will have a glass wrapped in a towel, and they'll have the bride and the groom smash the glass under their feet. The message is the same. It's pointing out to the fragments of that glass and exhorting the couple to guard the sacred relationship into which they have just entered. Why? Because in their mind, and don't ever forget that is the Old Testament, that because once that relationship is fractured, it can never be restored. But listen to me. Thank God for the New Testament. Can you say that with me? Thank God for the New Testament. For because we live in the New Testament and because of the cross, fragmented relationship can be restored again and again and again and again. Praise God. For at that cross, all of our hatred and anger and bitterness has been vented against God. On that cross, God replaced our pain for peace through the shed blood of His precious blood. We are now able to be reconciled to God our Father and to each other. No wonder Isaiah through the eyes of faith. He can look down the road 700 years to the coming of Jesus Christ, and he could prophesy in 32.17, the work of righteousness is peace. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, the things I have spoken to you that in these things I have spoken to you, 
that in me, in Jesus, you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. He never promised us a bit of roses or tippy-toeing around the tulips. He promised us, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of great courage, for I have overcome the world. And that is why those who have rejected Jesus, those who have rejected Jesus, they have rejected His peace. Those who will neither, those people who have rejected Jesus, they will never uh, have peace, nor are they able to be peacemakers. So the first thing is there is a tariff for peace, the price. Secondly, there is truth associated with peace, without which that truth, you cannot have peace. What is that truth? You know, you hear people talk about peace at any price. Oh, just let it go because, you know, make peace. You know, no. But, you know, the peace at any price is really not the biblical peace. It's not biblical. And it's not the lasting peace. And it's not the peace of Jesus. When God's truth is compromised, we will get phony peace. You'll get some peace, all right? It's like some people running around and said, Islam is a religion of peace. Yeah, right. After they subjugate you, you can have peace. A number of years ago, a story appeared in the French newspapers. It's about a university city in the southeast of France. The citizens called the police to break down a door of a, an apartment in the, on campus. They heard noise. They heard screaming. They heard breaking things, and, and they didn't know what's going on. So the police came, and yes, they broke the door down, and they went inside, and, 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 and there was, obviously there was a sound of fighting and when they came inside, they saw broken windows, and they saw furniture overturned, and they saw curtains torn. One man was dead, and the other one was dying. And as the dying man was lifted up, he whispered in the ear of the policeman. He said, we are both doctor of philosophy candidates. And we agreed on world peace, but we disagreed somewhat on how to accomplish it. Beloved, even so, people might be able to stop fighting without righteousness and truth. Yeah, that's fact. You can stop fighting without righteousness or truth. But they cannot live peaceably without righteousness and truth. When the truth, which is Jesus, is applied, He will not only put an end to conflict, He will also administer healing and love. The peace of God, which is based on God's truth and the truth of His Word, will not only stop war, but it will replace it with joy. The peace of God, which is based on His truth, will not only expose sin, but produce goodness and righteousness. Listen, here's the absolute truth. Man's peace 
may introduce cessation of hostility, as we've seen between nations. But only God's peace can build unity. Man's peace produces cold war, but God's peace produces warm friendship. Man's peace can produce temporary truce, but only God's peace (laughs) can bring about permanent tranquility. Why? Because God's peace is built upon God's truth. You cannot have one without the other. What do I mean by this? Until hatred resolved, fighting will only go underground. Until enmity is dealt with, fighting will only temporarily be on hold. Until selfishness is confronted, confounded, and confessed, enmity will break out again and again and again. When James was describing the wisdom of God, the godly wisdom, by the way, if you pray for me, it is my prayer for me and my prayer for the leadership of this church all the time and leading the way and all the people involved with me for godly wisdom. The world is full of worldly wisdom. We don't want that. Godly wisdom. That's what I seek with all my heart. Godly wisdom. James said about that godly wisdom, he said, first, you've got to remember, this is a list of priority now. First, it's pure. Then, peaceable. Uh, he learned from his older brother, Jesus. <laughs> you see? Purity of heart first, then peace. First, pure, then peace. And that is why purity of heart came before peacemaking. Why? Because God's way of permanent peace is through purity, not compromise, not just pretending. No, listen to me. Any two people cannot be at peace until they expose the wrong toward God's truth. Any two people cannot be peace un- be at peace until they expose the cause of conflict to the light of the truth of God's Word. The psalmist tells us as he prophesied in seeing Jesus coming a thousand years later, he prophesied that in Jesus righteousness and peace kissed each other. Through the years, I have had some well-meaning people in this church really well-meaning, and I mean that in the truest sense. I'm not patronizing, and I mean it with all my heart. They have come to me through the years, and I'm talking about probably more earlier than now, (laughs) and they would say to me, Michael, if you just soften the edges of your preaching, if you just cool it off, by that meaning compromise, I knew that. Compromise the truth of God's Word. <laughs> you'll be able to appeal to this group, and you'll be able to appeal to that group, and you will, you will have more people here. Really? <laughs> if you would just not talk about this issue or that issue, meaning, of course, biblical morality, <laughs> you'll be able to get this or that group into the church. My response is always, listen, I love you, and I love everybody. I I have no hatred in my heart toward anybody. 
but anyone who would come to the church because I have compromised the truth of God's biblical truth of God's Word and my conviction of, my biblical, of these biblical truths, they ought to run away, not come in. You know why? Because I am not only sinning against God and the truth of His Word, I'm sinning against them. Beloved, this is false peace. This is fake peace. This is make-believe peace. This is temporary peace at, at best. The only measurements of God's peace, the only measurement for God's peace is upholding the truth of God's Word. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace into the earth, but I to bring sword. Did you hear that correctly? Let me repeat it. Do not think that I have come to bring peace into the earth, but sword. Oh, my goodness gracious. Those who are looking for contradictions in the Bible. Hey, hey, contradictions. See, the Bible is contradicting itself. How can Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but sword? And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. See, contradictions. There are no contradictions. There are no contradictions. There's ignorance, but there's no contradiction. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus' peace is only for His children. Jesus' peace is imparted to those who love Him and worship Him and obey Him. But for the rest of the earth who have rejected Him, they have a sword. They have a sword. His peace is not the world's peace at any price. His peace comes only through them and through us who have put our sword down and accepted Him as Savior and Lord. His peace comes only for those who recognize that the sword of selfishness and pride had to be surrendered first. To be a peacemaker on God's terms, must be willing to embrace God's truth and righteousness, which the world opposes. Let me put it another way, just to make sure you got it. <laughs> God's peacemaking is like the surgeon's scalpel. It has to cut <laughs> before it hurts, before it heals, forgive me, before it heals. You know, there were corrupt religious leaders. There were always corrupt religious leaders in every generation, every generation. But the corrupt religious leaders, the priests and the prophets in the time of Jeremiah, they were running around saying, peace, peace, peace. Don't worry about what, what Jeremiah is telling you. There is no judgment. Judgment is not coming. It's peace. God will never, ever, ever reject the apple of His eye, Israel. Imagine when you're all alone and all the priests and the prophets saying, peace, peace, peace. Hmm. Jeremiah's message was that of judgment coming. It was hard to take. It was hard to accept. It's hard to swallow. I understand that. And had they repented, instead of listening to these false religious leaders, they would have had God's peace. But because they didn't, they ended up in exile in Babylon 
for 70 years. Beloved, listen to me. Jesus never, never winks at sin for the sake of so-called peace. No. With the Samaritan woman, he lovingly confronted her with her sinful lifestyle. He lovingly confronted her about her confused doctrine of worship. With Nicodemus, Jesus lovingly confronted him with self-righteousness, his self-righteousness. And when it came to the Pharisees, he confronted them again and again about their hypocrisy. Why? Because the peace of God cannot exist without the truth of God. First of all is what? You can read it. Uh, these people on, on this side, nobody else can read? First is what? Secondly, thirdly, the trophy, the trophy of peace. Those who are peacemakers, the greatest trophy can be called the children of God. Why? Because they are reflecting their daddy's character. They're like their daddy because they are their father's children. Just like your heavenly daddy is a peacemaker and a peace giver at a cost based on the truth, you too can bring the peace of God to others. I know I can speak as a dad and a granddad, and I know many of you would agree with me. All loving parents, and so many of them in this church, I thank God for you. All loving parents love their children more than they love their own life. I know that. They want their children to do better and accomplish more than they have. And that is why Jesus said, greater things you shall do because I go to the Father. God tells us that his children are the apple of his eye. Have you ever asked yourself, what does that mean? It's a Hebrew, Hebraic language, the apple of his eye. It's actually the cornea. It's the cornea of the eye. That's how God sees his children, as the apple of his eye. It, they tell me it is the most sensitive part of the body, not just the eye. It is the most protected part of the eye. Beloved, this is how God views his precious children. This is how God is sensitive about his children. This is how God is protective of his children. And the problem with those who attack the children of the living God, unbeknown to them, they are actually poking their finger in God's eye. I know it's a figure of speech, but you understand. When the risen Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, he did not say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? No. 
He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? According to Psalm 56, 8, God places the tears of His children in a bottle, which means there's not a tear that one of His children have shed are not important to Him. I think I'm convinced now that God must have a bucket for me. I, I weep so much. But, beloved, don't ever take the privilege of calling God Father, Abba, Daddy for granted. Can I get an amen? amen. As we seek to be peacemakers, as we seek to reconcile men and women, boys and girls to God, as we seek as much as possible Live at peace. Don't ever forget that we're going to find people who will treat us the way they treated Jesus. Don't ever, ever, ever be surprised. You're going to find people who will misunderstand us just like they misunderstood Jesus. You're going to find people who will condemn us just like condemn Jesus. And the figurative speech, figure of speech, they will probably crucify us just as they crucified Jesus. And that is why the pinnacle, the pinnacle, the, 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 the height, the apex of the superstructure that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us, which we'll see in the next message, next Sunday. The blessed are the persecuted for Jesus' sake, who are falsely accused. We're going to look at that. And the amazing thing is the following Sunday, our Patriotic Sunday, we have a man who was persecuted for his faith in Turkey and spent two years in prison. He will share with us on that Sunday. While hatred blinds, love enlightens. While hatred victimizes, love victorizes. I've already made another word here. The people of war always throwing stones, but the peacemakers will pick up these stones and build a bridge. The people of the world will come with a sword, oh, but the peacemakers will disarm them with love and put those swords into plowshares. The people of war will throw spears, but the peacemakers will put them into pruning hooks. The peacemakers do not avoid the battle because they know they'll be given power to overcome, and we are overcomers. Let me conclude by asking you a simple question. Do you have an internal war? Books written about the battle of the mind, Battle of the heart. There are some people running around with, ins with a war going on inside of them. Inside war. Do you have that? Do you have a war in your home? Do you have a war at your work? 
Do you have a war at your community, nation? Your heavenly Father wants you to be like Him, to be a peacemaker. Ask Him today. Ask Him today, and He will answer to help us pay the tariff for peace, understand the truth about peace, and ultimately look forward to the trophy of peace. He will reward you. He will reward you. It will take time, but He will reward you. He has never, ever, ever gone back on His promises. Amen? A loving Father, and now we are joined by millions of people around the world on Kingdom Sat and on so many other platforms. And we're right here in this beautiful sanctuary. We all know what internal war is like before coming to you. We all know what a home war, community war, work war. Oh, but you are the God of peace. So we come to you in the name of Jesus, who is our peace. Help us, empower us to be willing to pay the tariff of peace, to stand on the truth for peace. And finally, Father, we know that the trophy is ours because that's your promise. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for preserving it so we can enjoy it and love it and grow through it. Bless your children today and make this to be a day of transformation in lives and homes and communities. And oh, God, yes, our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.